the following was recorded before the Rona. Just because he did something that was horrendous or, or someone thinks he did something that was horrendous to a certain person, does that mean he can't be a hero to somebody else? Mm. Welcome to Blacklight, the podcast that keeps it light while talking blackness. We're your hosts, Sheldon, Jason, Warren, and Julian. We're here to cast blackness in a new light from a fresh, finessed perspective. Every episode, we examine a social issue or current event through an unapologetically black lens. The show exists because in today's media climate, the experiences and perspectives of color are often unseen or overlooked. We wanted a place to share stories of black people by black people for all people. This is that place. This is Black Light. On this episode, forgive them, Father. Now let's get into it. I feel like we could have like a whole section on or a whole conversation, and we should have a whole conversation really just talking about Kobe Bryant. And I. I'll lead into that when one when I heard that uh, that he had died, I was just so shocked, just completely and utterly shocked. And I think it was, and we have you know people pass all the time, but it was the way that it happened and the suddenness of it that certainly it was just very shocking. And I think if you know for me, it just kind of jarred me into a place of holy shit, this happened to Kobe, right? And, you know, it was just so tragic and the tragic, you know, the loss of life for the others as well. It was just so much. And that very day, that very day, I'm I'm looking, of course, I'm scrolling through my feed and, you know, there's a lot of outpouring of support and, and, and empathy. And then I come across this one post from this person who I am associated with on social media. And I'm actually just going to read what they had, they, what they shared, which was, uh, they said, a tragic loss of life, yes, but not a fucking hero. And then they uh, pasted a quote from an article that said, I should have done what Shaq does, adding, Shaq gives them money or buys them cars. He already spent $1 million, the report added. Kobe stated that Shaq does this to keep the girls quiet. And I was thinking, fuck this person so much <laughs> like in every drop names in every way shape or form no i don't no i don't but i was so angry and actually this kind of comes back to uh, another thing that we're talking about in terms of like when do we speak up and social media is another beast unto unto itself and i have found that in most situations the likelihood that you're going to change somebody's mind through a social media or a facebook or instagram or twitter post is so unlikely there's like, why give energy to someone who's doing something like this and give them a platform um, if instead I can take this as a learning experience and then share it in a different way, which is exactly what I'm doing now. And so first and foremost, I was I was disgusted by the post, just the lack of empathy, uh, the lack of even just awareness and, and understanding. And, and it was just it was disgusting. Um, and then. 
really, then I had to really think about, okay, well, how do I want to react to this? And I was, I had really started penning a couple of different things and I was about to go full on. And I just said, you know what, if this is the way that this person feels, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to try to change their mind about this. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to look at some things. I'm going to uh, celebrate Kobe's life and, you know, really take this as a, just as a, a moment in time and a, as really a growing and learning experience when it comes to just saying, you know, we all have limited time here and we need to make the most of that. And, and when we spend all this time uh, criticizing each other and trying to bring each other down and pointing out, I mean, the, just the list of accomplishments and, and greatness that Kobe Bryant had, and then to focus in, I'm not trying to diminish in terms of the all just the 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 rape allegations and all that not trying to diminish that in any way but we really do need to be able to look at a person holistically and it is challenging because it really depends on what we're looking at and what we're trying to say okay does this matter does it not matter does it matter now is now the right time there's a lot that can go into yeah. that and I'll, I'll round out the story and then just kind of pass it off here and the reason that actually made me take a step back wasn't because uh, wasn't just because I said, you know what, I've got another uh, outlet in which I can talk about this. I was actually talking to a, a, a true friend, and it was a couple days after Kobe's passing, and he was telling me about, put this together, his brother was playing video games online with his friends. I don't know what it was, like Call of Duty or Battlefield or something like that, and he was being a troll, and he got kicked out of this room while he was playing this game because somebody kept messing with him while he was flying a helicopter and he shot it down. <laughs> huh. And then it was like, that's what you get, Kobe. Wow. That's and he horrible. got kicked out of the room. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, so I was like, dude, first I was like, dude, why the fuck did you say that? And he's like, dude, I, I was just trolling. Like I was just like, I didn't mean anything by it. Like I was just trolling. Yeah, he's, and then he goes, honestly, like, I don't really know who Kobe Bryant is that well. Like I know that he played basketball and da da da. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. It's tragic and everything else. I was just trolling. And then I thought about it a little bit more and it reminded me there, there are so many trolls out there, you know, people just trying to get a reaction. They use a yeah. situation that has a lot of, it, it brings up a lot of emotions and things like that. And people will use that as an opportunity to try to get their own shine or their own reaction out of people. And that really kind of, made me think you know what it's not worth it yeah. it's not worth it to go down this route you gotta love that person. that rationale for trolling oh, like, oh it was just a joke it i was said the most a, horrible thing yeah. you ever say but i said you're a complete asshole but i'm joking so mm, it's totally it okay to to say that yeah yeah i think uh, ari shafir he had to move to china because he made a bad <laughs> joke about kobe <laughs> jesus i didn't hear that one i'm gonna have to uh yeah, yeah you might have yeah. to youtube that yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. not the or best or don't or don't yeah <laughs> it's not the best yeah but um you know and it to me well first of all i'm, I'm not a huge basketball fan i actually wasn't what huge, but you're uh, so tall okay. and you're so black <laughs> i will slap the shit out of you um you know and i wasn't necessarily a angry, kobe angry fan but man. as a father as you know a human being and just, you know, just looking at his accomplishments and all the things he had to kind of overcome, you know, I, it really, I, I was surprised, like, how emotional I kind of got mm. doing the coverage, like, mentally, like, I could not look at any of the services or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I, I was I was like, man, why am I so kind of wrapped up in this? Mm. I wasn't even a big Kobe fan, but it's, I don't know, it's just something about certain celebrities when somebody reaches a certain 
height of notoriety or celebrity, you know, especially if they are black and mm-hmm. they are successful and they have overcome these odds, whether they bought them on themselves or not, is just they, I don't know, for me, you know, and I think Warren and I um, had this conversation uh, it was kind of similar thing to Kanye when I said I was so hurt. He's like, well, you know, he's just some some rap dude, you know. But it's like certain celebrities, certain people, especially when they're black, it just hurts a little bit more when they fall from grace or, or you know, unfortunately in this case, die. Just the hurt is just a little different, you know. And I don't know. There are not too many celebrities that feel like for, like if Stevie Wonder ever dies. I will like don't. No, it's call not gonna me. happen. I'm so, gonna I mean, be on the floor. Like don't. I'm I'm calling off work. But it's it's funny, you know, looking at Facebook, looking at Twitter, like Black Twitter or Black Facebook. So many of of my friends, like Black friends, like it's literally a day of mourning when a Black celebrity dies. Like they watch the entire thing. Like I'm trying to think of the like when Luther died, when um Michael Jackson, Prince. Whitney Houston. I remember, I was I was what about, what about Prince? It, it, Prince, yeah. So more recently, you know, it's 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 funny how our community kind of does that with people who've reached that you know superstardom, and when they die and they're taken away from us, mm-hmm. you know, when they achieve that like black excellence, whatever they're excellent in, and they I just have, fall from. I have side. ideas on why that is, but why do you think that is? Um, cause I just, I just think we, we see a part of ourselves in them. So their success is our success. You know, mm-hmm, it yeah, proves that we are worthy. Point. You know, it proves that we are, we can be the best in whatever that thing is, you know, whether that be basketball and, you know, engineer, whatever that is, you know, that person is not just speaking for their accomplishments, but also the accomplishment of the collective of an entire community a lot of times. You know, so when someone falls from grace, say, what's your boy? Um, think big. Um, in Maryland, brain surgeon. I don't know why oh, I can't think of Carson. Carson. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. When you have somebody like that who actually I have a autographed book from him from Think Big. He was like literally my role model. So when he kind of went to the dark side, uh, it <laughs> hurts so much more because this is somebody I actually aspire to be, you know, mm. to be the best in the the film, to be recognize for that so i think it's i think that's it we kind of see ourselves you know whether you know that's fair or not we see ourselves in that person and knowing what we have to go through in our daily lives and just imagining what they have to go through on, on such a big stage i think you know we internalize that a lot more than maybe others do when others you know celebrity dies of a different race i agree i think i think as black people we are looked at as not individuals so when one of us does really well in something, it is ascribed to all of us in a way that is really palpable. So when we lose someone like that, or when someone falls from grace, it feels like a hit to us specifically, and not just, you know, somebody in the ether somewhere, you know, lost their life or fell from grace. It, it actually has a, a direct impact on who we are and how we feel about ourselves. I feel the same way about when MJ died or when Prince died or when Luther died. And when Kobe died, I was not okay for Mm -hmm. a couple days. And I couldn't look at, just like you were saying, I couldn't look at any of the stuff that was on Facebook or on TV, the services, any of that. I had met him before and and that made it worse. Oh, um, what was like the situation that? you met him? I was working Clippers Lakers games. Oh. You know, for those that don't know, Warren, 
has Spider-Man on the side. Oh, kind of. Uh, Warren has made more more money playing basketball than any any of us at the table. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Even though I hate basketball, uh, I yeah. That's so right. I didn't have time. He's dunked shows. at more NBA games than <laughs> I've, I've played. Ever I've will. played for more NBA teams than probably most NBA players. Yes. <laughs> I can say it that way in a funny mm. way. But yeah, Kobe was Kobe was really nice and. I was in China with him for an uh, like an NBA Cares event, and he was just he was a really nice guy when I got to interact with him, yeah. and he had no reason to be kind to me because I had like I didn't have to deal with him. He didn't have to deal with me. So the the fact that he was kind to me specifically was indicative of to me who he was as a person, and I felt like it was a loss to the the NBA to black people in general but to me specifically when he died and so to see people online wanting to talk about the the bad pieces of that person in the moment where everyone was grieving his death mm, yeah. was like supremely frustrating yeah. and just like can't you let black people yeah. have a moment? Right. Just a moment. Right. And it's, yeah. And it's That's just how it like, comes off at least. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. When, you know, and when is it, when is the, the, the period where we actually, where America or white America, or however you want to phrase it, actually forgives black athletes when they do something wrong. It just seems like it's a never ending, fuck this guy. He's the worst person in the world. Mm-hmm. When is the statute of limitations the when, when people stop hating? And I, you know where I'm going with this, but I was mm. looking recently at a, a was it 30 for 30 on mm-hmm. ESPN uh, oh, yeah. for Michael Vick. Um, if you haven't watched it. Oh my God. And first of all, I'm from Virginia. So I'm like, I was already extra mad and angry when I watched it. And I... It, surprisingly, I was even angrier when I finished watching it. Because Why is that surprising? The bitch that I was angrier... Because I didn't yeah. think I'd get angrier. I was like at a 10 and I somehow became a 20. I didn't even watch it with volume and I got angrier. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I watched it at a bar yeah. and I couldn't hear any... There were no subtitles yeah. and I couldn't hear anything that was being said. Yeah. And I got mad yeah. sitting at well, the bar. And I didn't know the facts. Like the, the local community, the police um, department, they were going to drop the case. But then the federality wanted to get involved and make a big public case against him and make you know him the fall guy. And I mean, he got 18 months for this, that a crime that, you know, I'm from that part of Virginia. I, I hate that dogs were killed and abused. That's horrible. I don't even like dogs, but I don't want to <laughs> see them abused because I don't want to see anything abused. If but... only white people said that about blacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? That's, we, we should cover that in terms of in this, in this context, but continue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird that it's pretty clear like the guy served 18 months mm-hmm. in a federal prison, right? Correct. He more than served his time, right? Like I think most people, I think, weren't charged, first of all. But if they were charged, it's maybe a couple of months. He got spent 18 months, they made an lost out of him millions sure. of dollars in endorsement. Like yeah. he was the man when this happened. It, it was kind of mm-hmm. the peak of Michael Vick mania, right? And, and his prime, yeah. It is prime. Mm-hmm. And 
not only did he lose that, like his, you know, potential earning potential, like the highest part of his earning potential, but went to jail, you know, lost all this money, but it's still not enough. Like That's they right. still have to take more blood from him. The man is a, well, partnered with PETA. Mm-hmm. All that did all the right things was super apologetic, not yeah. just one of those like asshole apologies. It was an actual no, like real apology. To. I understand what I did. I understand it's a horrible thing. I understand why people feel this way. And I apologize. And he made an was ongoing commitment to continue commitment, that. It wasn't which just he a, carries on to this day. He's like a spokesperson. He is. Right. And yeah. people still Not want enough. blood. I think mm-hmm. we were just talking about uh it was uh, a certain commentator on Fox. Yeah, Tucker right? Carlson. Even after he served jail time, mm-hmm. wanted him to die. He said that yeah, he said that in his his in his opinion, Michael Vick should have been put to death. Mm. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? You've got. We're talking about a human man, and this is not to diminish the value that uh, that we place on our pets. At but all. they're fucking pets. But there is a difference between a pet and a person, right? And if you can't it's like in the country, like they have rights. I feel like if you can't make that connection, don't even come to the table with the conversation. If you can't make the connection between the fact that there is a difference between a person. And a pet, even though pets become part of your family, it is not a human being. And I'm not saying that what he did was right. I'm saying what he did was absolutely wrong. And he shouldn't have done that. He will tell you that he was absolutely wrong. But he served his time. He paid his debt to society. And to your point, Jason, when, what is, what is the statute of limitations? When can we say, okay, we forgive this black person for doing this thing? And it feels like the answer is never. It really feels that way. It's, I have my, now, I have my own friends, people who I I care about, post and be like, fuck Michael Vick, fuck him, I don't care what he ever does, it doesn't matter, he should, this was when it started to resurge again when they are going to make him, what was it, the captain of the Pro Bowl team or the, uh, the uh, yeah, honorary, yeah, something like that, yeah. And they were like, now, he was not even in their mind at the time right. until it came up in the social sphere, oh wait, Michael Vick is about to get another opportunity? I just remembered that I don't know anything about this except for this one piece. I hate him. I hope that he he dies. I hope that uh, – and this it's this whole thing of you can live, but you can never be successful. Right. If you're successful, then we have to continue to try to take from you. And even if you've paid your debt to society, that was the agreement. Look, you did this thing. You've got to go to – not house arrest, not jail – prison and i think this is lost on many many people as well they're like oh you know he he just uh he was grounded for a few weeks no he went to federal prison right where he didn't see his child being born that he didn't see his grandmother die that he couldn't see his wife that he couldn't make millions of dollars and people are like good (laughs) that's the way that it should be and it's like all right let's let's come back to reality here this is a human man who made mistakes and we've all made mistakes. And I know that people like to say, well, I've never made a mistake like that. I would never do that. The point is that he paid his debt to society and it still wasn't enough. And I was certainly frustrated when I saw that. And to hear someone, a a broadcaster, somebody with a platform say, in my opinion, he should have been put to death. And to try to make that equivalency that this is that somehow a human man can't repent, can't make a mistake, can't 
can never just never be forgiven, it no matter never be what enough. they do. Yeah, it's frustrating, and that their skin that plays, will never be light enough it for plays, them to be given forgiveness. Ever. It really plays into a lot of. I mean, the way that I think about things, and and uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, what are what are some of my just like uh, my short term goals, and some of my long term goals, and uh, one of them is it actually to just never go to jail. I really don't want to go to jail. <laughs> And it is, it's a short-term and a long-term goal of mine. People, people laugh, but that's actually a real, that's that's, a real thing. That's been a big goal of mine No, I think all time. of us around this table have that goal. Yeah. Like, specifically have that goal. Like, yeah. And it's it's not a passive thing. It's like, okay, I got to make sure that I do these things or don't do these things or say these things or don't say these things to specifically avoid not going, avoid even people thinking that that might be an option. And I mean, it comes into like when we were parked outside of my place, it's like, mm-hmm. well, shit, I guess I can't sit in my own car <laughs> or else I may go to jail for that, you know? And that situation, again, we'll talk more about that later, but that situation, I mean, it left me with so many questions. Am I safe in my own neighborhood? Am I safe in my own home? What situations is it okay for me to be in my own home or in my own neighborhood? Or in your own skin. In my, whoo. <laughs> And God forbid if you make a mistake, because it's a wrap. You will never live that down. I mean, the fact that felons can't vote, like it's, I mean, it's kind of ingrained into the system. <laughs> like if you make a mistake, we'll let you out. Kind of got to let you out, but we're going to fuck with you for the rest of your life. You're going to be mm-hmm. on parole for the rest of your life. And if you make one little mistake, we're going to take your ass back. Mm-hmm. And you can't have all the rights that you have because you fucked up once. Right. Sorry. Yeah, well, there's or a that, couple of times. Well, you know, yeah. and you know, there's the whole concept of that whole, um, you know, Michael Vick paid his debt to society, but then there's also the public opinion, right? When there's do you become free of opinion? That? Court of public opinion. I can't think of anybody like I mean OJ, even though he was never uh, convicted well, of he anything. Killed actual humans. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Well, but I'm just saying, just you know, as, as a context, like. No matter what, Michael, he will be Michael guilty. Michael Vick don't need to pay for OJ, though. Right. <laughs> true, I'm not true. down on the cross true. OJ. Uh, right. But guess what? But guess what? Guess what? Michael Jackson is is guilty, right? Right. You know what I mean? That's another thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tiger Woods is guilty. You know what I mean? And and obviously, I'm obviously not. I'm not comparing. Sure. You know what they did, but at the same, like in, in the court of well, public opinion. Court of public opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the public opinion. You know, in a lot of ways, can yeah, can and especially weigh as much. when you're, you know, like you know, in Kobe's case and Michael Jackson's case, even though it was a little funny, you know, they weren't like the legal system. They went through the legal system, of course. Legal systems, you know, kind of mm, isn't that built towards though? richer people, but they went through the legal system, and it does it doesn't matter. Like Michael Vick was convicted. I can, okay, you know, but, you know, even you can, so you can make that argument like, oh, well, you know, he actually did do a bad thing. He went to court for it and he got punished for it mm-hmm. with Michael Jackson, with, with, you know, they went through the legal system, our legal system, and they didn't face any, you know, I think with, with um, Kobe, I think the charges were dropped. And the legal system, quote yeah, unquote, worked, right? So they to not say anything else. Yeah, yeah. I I went through that. I read through like the statements and stuff from the the Kobe Bryant allegations, and I I I still haven't figured out a way to. I don't even know if it's my place to even talk about any of that stuff because I wasn't there. I don't know anything about that. Just but just reading, it's always difficult to read somebody's statement in terms of what happened. 
But I'm always wondering in these situations when people can claim ignorance, like they don't know what is happening. Mm. And this is a conversation that we definitely need to have. Uh, but when Let's just, go ahead it, and have it now. Well, it veers a little off the topic of yeah. specific um, of, of blackness per se and more so into uh, the realm of consent. And I don't think that I'm the best person or the most person qualified to talk about that in terms of just understanding how do you identify consent? Because consent can be all kinds of things. Is it verbal? Is it nonverbal? Sometimes people feel very, um, very awkward giving verbal consent, but they'll consent in other ways. So they're not going to say, yes, you can have sex with me, right? It might just be come home. Like they're just like, oh, we're now we're back at your place and our clothes are off. <laughs> something like that and that's consent for some people where other people are like we were in the middle of doing whatever and i said no i didn't want to do it and that's where that particular thing stops and i'm for me like i'm just so nuanced with this kind of stuff because i always try to think about reality in terms of and you're in the middle of doing something like there's a difference between saying no i don't want to do this okay we don't do this and then we're in the middle of doing something and be like actually I've changed my mind, which is very valid as well. Um, this mm-hmm. is very valid. Um, but I also feel like there on certain levels, you have to know what's going on. Okay. And so, and it's, it's different mm-hmm. obviously between a man and a woman, but it's like when I, when I read the the statement given by the woman um, in the, in the Kobe situation, you know, she said, I, you know, I, I wanted this and I did do these things, but once it moved to this, then I didn't want this anymore. And I'm not not in any way, shape, or form saying, well, it was Kobe Bryant, so she, you know, she definitely wanted it. It's just confusing, is all I'm saying. And I, I, I'm trying to better understand that. It's like, yeah, you know who this is. She was excited to meet this person, and then all of a sudden, it was like, well, I was okay doing this. We were kissing and touching and blah blah blah. But as soon as it went to be more, then that's when I was like, then I didn't want it anymore. And I just, I, I don't know. That's yeah. all. I don't have a whole lot on that. That's just, it, it raised, raised a bunch of questions for me. And then, then the other dudes that she was with that was a problem too. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Hence why the case all right, was Warren, you're up. dropped. There's a lot of, so there's, there's so much about this that is difficult to talk about because we don't want to say that we're negating the experience of someone that feels sexually assaulted course, or abused right. in a situation. Absolutely not. The question of whether or not that happened, though, has nothing to do with the fact that Kobe died. Right, right. And the fact that we're bringing that up has to do more with what we need people to understand about Kobe or or what some people need people to understand about Kobe in order to put him in his place for, for how we can grieve for him. Mm. Just because he did something that was horrendous or, or someone thinks he did something that was horrendous to a certain person, does that mean he can't be a hero to somebody else? Mm. And that's, it's, it's again, yeah. it brings up that, that idea of that like good, bad binary mm-hmm. of, of, well, he did this thing in the past. It happened. So he must be a bad person. And anybody saying he's a good person is wrong. And I have to call them out on it because he can't be a good person. He can't have had a good impact because he is a bad person because that thing happened. Mm. And that is not, that's not how we treat anyone that we care about. We treat people as, as multifaceted beings 
that have the opportunity to grow and develop yeah. and not giving that to someone that this happened years ago. And everything that I've seen from Kobe in the last decade has been loving father, family mm-hmm. man, dedicated professional athlete at the top of his sport, consistently speaking, vocalizing on on many different topics and and just being generally the kind of human that I would want to see in the media. So to bring up something from 10 years ago where it went to court and he was acquitted and it's unclear what happened. To bring that up during his death time to me feels extremely pointed mm-hmm. at this idea that a black person that has any consultation with some white woman and she didn't like it has to be brought down. Mm. And that's, that's what it feels like for me. I'm not saying that that's what it is in, in the world today, but every time I hear of a situation like, like this situation where even if it goes to court and they are acquitted, he's still guilty in the, in the court of public opinion. When it's a black person, it feels very much like an Emmett Till situation for me. That's exactly it where feels was, like where mine was headed. a white woman said, you did something wrong because mm-hmm. I said so, and now you don't deserve to live anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, R. Kelly um, was allegedly raping kids for girls, little girls for years, and nobody really gave a fuck. What color were they? Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. But it just depends as, on the crime and the victim of the crime. Literally nobody cared until recently, and now he's in prison. Everybody of- knew he was he was fucking, and then married Aaliyah mm-hmm. and at and, fifteen. At fifteen, everybody Which, knew Aaliyah's age. The whole industry Everybody. knew, but yeah. but that's we didn't deal with that then because we didn't have to. Yeah, if that black. had been a white fifteen year old, <laughs> if it was JoJo, I would I would <laughs> contend, I Britney Spears. I would what? contend yeah, that that would horrible. not have happened at all. And wouldn't have lasted <laughs> three days. Got, yeah. Stepping in the like, name of love, he it, would never want to got chocolate factory because he wouldn't would be in happened. jail. Like, it wouldn't have happened, yeah, right? For years. Because, because there would have been an uprising around it. We don't treat black and white relationships the same way we treat black, black relationships or white, white relationships. As soon as something fishy happens within the context of a black, white interaction, mm-hmm. the black man, to me feels immediately in danger Mm. and i worry about my interactions with white women especially because of situations like this Mm. and i am constantly second guessing how i am interacting with white women because of this situation you know it's interesting that you say that because i've I've definitely seen some sentiments and thrown out there basically saying something along the lines of like hey asshole if you're you know if you can't figure out how to be you know, this way, like around women, maybe you're the problem or something like that. Like you're saying, like maybe, like, because it is, I know that I've had these thoughts. Like maybe I just need to disengage from these situations. Maybe I uh, need to make sure that I'm safe completely in these scenarios. So basically distance myself from these types of relationships. And, you know, it's people don't realize the complexity of what all of that means. And so it's like, oh no, you know, you're fine. And this and that. It's like, until I'm not. Yeah. Until I say say the wrong thing or I'm in the wrong place or somebody doesn't like the fact that we're together or we're friends or we're dating, whatever it is. 
And uh, that certainly is, has given me lots, lots to think about. And it's, it's not, it's not fun. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things that we have to think about. I mean, once you see, I'm going back to him because he's constantly on my mind with this situation. But once you see the, the body of Emmett Till one time Mm -hmm. and you, you can put yourself in his shoes. Like that's all you can see when you see a situation where. A, a white woman could decide that that you were the problem in a situation. And I'm again, I'm not saying we know anything about the situation between her and Kobe. Mm-hmm. We only know that the the court said that he was acquitted. That's basically all we can know. Well, he was, I think she, they dropped the charges, right? I mean, they dropped the charges, and she never came. It, she did, I think it's she settled. I think it's settled, settled out of court. Yeah, I, I thought know. it was settled. It was settled. Okay, sure. okay. Settled. Then, okay. then let me back that out and yeah. say he was never convicted. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, I can't know if he did it, and I'm not trying to know if he did it because I don't think that matters. I think it matters that I don't feel safe in white black interactions because even though this person just fell out of the sky and died and I want to grieve for him because I really appreciated who he was on my screen. I can't because somebody else's opinion of him means that I shouldn't be able to, to grieve for someone that I considered a hero. It's like they're trying to put a a tent on the screen or, or, you know, try to make it so that it's, I guess, translucent, if you will. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's just wild that people would do that, that they would paint this tragedy in that way. And, you know, certainly I've seen it on Facebook as well to where people have so many things to say and that they would continue to push the fact that, you know, that was a part of their past. And um, people don't believe that no matter what happened or what didn't happen or whatever, that people can change. I think one of the things for me, admittedly, I was a big critic of Kobe, you know what I mean? But that's, this is just as a player, you know what I mean? I just, I, you know, I didn't like him. And this is as a basketball <laughs> fan growing up. But in 96, when he got drafted, you know what I mean? Until like you see now, you've seen him really grow up in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As an 18-year-old kid playing in the NBA, he's grown up in front of us. And especially the last two years... When he's, you know, after he retired, you see him really more in the light, not as a player, but as a as a father. You know what I mean? Somebody who is really showing his love to his daughter, not just being at the games together, but just in the work that he does with his family and with other youth in terms of promoting the game. And it's just so crazy that people go through certain lengths to put dirt over that. You know what I mean? And and to try to erase that or to try to make that seem like it's not important. You know? It's like people didn't even, you know, take the way that he died into consideration. They just kind of latched on to, oh, Kobe, you know, bad guy, right? Right. You know, and that's, it's, it's just like a like a, a switch went off with millions of kind of triggered people, you know, throughout the, throughout yeah, the world. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably in the same vein of, of Michael Vick where it's like maybe not in the stream of social consciousness completely. And so the last thing that maybe a person remembers about, they're like, isn't that the person who did this thing? Oh, yeah, fuck that person. And it's like, where have you been? Right. Like, that's always a challenge for me is, is what we're talking about, this, the idea of forgiveness and especially the forgiveness of black people. And it seems to be a, a different uh, bar that's set when it comes to that. And I believe even in the documentary, 
they were talking about it. Like, are we really going to bring this guy back? He killed dogs. And then somebody said something along the lines of, we have people who have killed people playing in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that was, but overall, man, that was, it was tough to see. It's tough to go through. And still, I mean, I think about it. It was just, it's so heavy. And like you said, the, the way that, that he died and the, the people who were with him, it's just so tragic. And it's just unfortunate that even in a, such a tragic moment like that, that people couldn't put these other things to the side and say, you know, this is really tragic and this is unfortunate. And he was an imperfect person, just like we all are. And let's just take a moment here to recognize that this was tragic. Yeah. And even, I think even in those moments, it just seemed to be too much. I agree. I don't think, I don't think there's anything so far that I've seen that has made some sort of analogy for people to understand what it feels like for, for them to say, you know, but he was no hero. So let's mm, put that in the conversation, the, but he was no hero or no angel. Right. That's the one. Thing I, I think and analogies kind of suck to, to, you know, make an argument because generically you can just say, well, the analogy doesn't hold up because this thing isn't that other thing. Mm -hmm. So, and now you're in a conversation about whether or not the analogy was a good analogy sure. and you've gotten off the topic of whether or not you're right in the discussion you were having before. But I think analogies are actually really good tools to explain a feeling or a concept. And the one that I was playing with just now was the idea of, of the loss of life of a police officer is a, a tragic event. Especially in the line of duty when, you know, trying to protect somebody else. Like, that's Absolutely. a horrible situation. And no one in their right mind would would jump on Facebook and go, well, I mean, yeah, but he was no hero because of this thing that happened five years ago where, you know, he... He did this to these black people that he shouldn't have. Mm. You just don't do that. Like, you you recognize that that's not the time, and that if he didn't if he didn't pay for it already, he's never gonna pay for it. He's dead. Mm. So let's let's talk to the people that are grieving and say, "I'm so sorry you're grieving." That's that's what this is. This is not about mm -hmm. yeah. the person yeah. is that, that has the, died. I wonder, like, is that the thought? Is that you know the the family, relatives, and people that love this person are they are they not expected to grieve? Or this would be like, well, he's dead or passed, but you know, don't forget about this one thing that he that this person did. And this isn't specifically even related to Kobe, but you know that you're right. It's just uh, the ability to forgive, to move on, to allow for uh, the human experience, to allow for people to make mistakes and, and learn from those things. And to, I mean, obviously there are levels to all sorts of things, but to be, if people are being honest, then it's, it's not the same barometer. It's not the same test that needs to be passed. And it is, it, it is, it's very frustrating to see that. And yeah, but you know, I try not to wade into the, the social media battles too much. Um, although I almost, I'm going to, I'm going to leave on this one here. Because uh, I got to talk about this, but it'll be at another time. So my former pastor, because y'all know I don't go to church no more. 
He posted went to church at one time. <laughs> <laughs> what? When did that happen? But uh, he posted that their congregation had started um, a foray, and they had like workbooks and everything to to actually talk about and address white privilege. At okay. The, like, and not not in the church, mm-hmm. but talking about why it is important for the church to understand, recognize, and talk about and not shy away from white privilege. I was blown away. Hmm. Almost made me want to go to church. (laughs) Church is getting, whoa, boy. The most segregated time in America is 12 p.m. on a Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw this. Is this a predominantly black church? No, this is a mixed church. Yeah, it's a very, very, uh, very mixed church for sure. And, um, Although the pastor is is white and he did spend some time living in Africa. So if that sets the stage at all. Yeah, he's good. Um, yeah, it seems like he's given for everything. That's right. He, he, he's invited to the barbecue. <laughs> the hill he The he, cookout. He would, he would definitely enjoy an invite to the, <laughs> to the cookout. Why are we inviting everybody to the cookout? There needs to be rules to. Well, if it comes that, down to the difference between, like, let's say, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Max getting that invite. Max getting he that getting invite. That invite. <laughs> So, but there, I, I just dove into the comments and I'm super curious. What, what is the, are these church going folks going to say about this? And there was a lot of, I'm so glad, like, can you share this with me? Like, is this uh, like an online course? And it was like, literally put all the stuff together. And then of course there was this one person, a white guy, and he was like, I would never go to a church like this. And then he proceeds to explain, you know, that. Uh, that Christ died for everybody and absolved sin and da 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 da, and mm-hmm. then this is this is why people should not be uh, embarrassed about being or ashamed of being white. And I'm like, boy, you missed the whole thing here. <laughs> and, uh, and then of course, um, I feel like I'm just kind of going into it now, but there is a certainly a misconception, and I think that it's it it actually has to do with just the words that we're using when we use the words or the phrase white privilege for. Really, for anybody, but for for white people who who have had to work hard, which is most people who have not had anything handed to them, which again is most people, are going to look at that as, as an attack on them, saying, "You're trying to say that things are just handed to me and that I don't have to work for anything, and that the reason that that is is because I'm white." And that's what's heard when you put those two words together. It's I'm privileged because I'm white. And there is truth to that, but it's not that same truth. It's not, it's an invisible truth. It's not a, hey, because you're white, t- we prefer you over these other groups. It's it's more hidden than that. And it's the things that- I'm talking Excuse about what, I'm talking exactly about like privilege. That. So yeah. I'm not talking about the actual existence, right. but I'm just talking about privilege. Pr- privilege is, is almost unseen or unspoken. And where it's, it, the, all of, when, I, when I recapped my normal day, in terms of when I get in the car, I try to when I'm driving my own vehicle that is registered, that's insured, that I pay for, all of those things, I'm still thinking, boy, I sure hope that I don't look suspicious. Mm-hmm. Let me not do anything that yeah. would draw any unnecessary attention to myself because the last thing that I want is for me to be pulled over for some bullshit like a taillight out, a headlight out. Maybe I didn't stop all the way at a stop sign or, you know, or something like that and lose my life over right. some bullshit right. like that. Your whole life. Yeah. 
Or yeah. frankly, even if you're doing something wrong or illegal, the, you know, the fear that you will be unjustly and executed in executed the street. Executed in the streets for that or just some snafu in the law that you would end up right. in and jail for an extended period of time. Like that's a, and when a someone, real fear. When a white person says, oh my God, that's so awful that you have to go through that. That right there yeah. is the – that's that opening yeah. into what privilege is. Is I had no idea right. that this is what – Because I didn't have to think about that because mm-hmm. that's not a reality. I didn't even think that was a reality. I don't even know anybody that that's a reality for. That's the privilege. It's like, well, wait, you got pulled over in front of your own house? Why didn't you curse the officer out? <laughs> <laughs> because I chose life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to unpack there. And I think that we should dedicate a a whole segment, I think, to just to white privilege and talk about that openly. I think there's so many questions out there about that. I think that there are a lot of, there's a lot of hurt feelings and hurt people. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about what is actually trying to be conveyed and what is trying to be revealed. And I think that when uh, people are not open to talking about that, there's just no, there's no opportunity for progress to be made. And we've got to get to a place where we're making more progress. Well, kind of in that same vein, I want to get all of you guys opinion on Naggergate. Naggergate? Never heard of it. So uh, uh, it was this reporter on MSNBC that was talking about Kobe Bryant's (laughs) uh, uh, passing. And she was, you know, saying the Lakers and somehow she instead of saying lakers she said naggers and it, it, uh, it sounded like a, a little bit worse than that but yeah. yeah and uh so there was a big it, i think she actually got fired or reassigned mm. but i don't know you know i'm usually the first one to you know i could go, e- I should go either way because you know when stuff is i think it was an honest mistake could be it could be there is but, no way this woman did that oh there you like go. yeah understanding the political climate being what it is she definitely didn't do that on purpose she knew she would lose her job if she did like yeah you like, don't, why would you're she not do a, that she definitely yeah. slipped up yeah and and do we care whether or not it was because she's got some like hidden racist tendencies i don't i care what she like meant to say on the air specifically mm. what what was her what was her actual intention to say if something slipped out, like for me, it's a whatever kind of situation. If mm. I think that she was legitimately racist and trying to say something yeah. racist and it didn't quite land the way she wanted, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. screw her, right, right. like fire her, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring her canceled, up. you're fire, bring her up on charges and <laughs> damn, bury her, her under the jail, put her, put her in prison for eighteen whatever months, prison right. Michael then, Vick was then, in, put her in that same prison. Never let her back in broadcasting yeah, yeah, or anything right. related yeah. to journalism Call again. For her because execution. <laughs> yeah. What? And, and my point okay. is, we, you know, sometimes in our community, we have to learn how to kind of choose our battle. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, like, come on. Like, why? You have to use common sense sometimes. Like, first of all, why would she do this? She's on TV. It's not like she was like talking and she was overheard and taped and she didn't know about it. She was on air. Clearly, it was an honest mistake. In my opinion, I don't, you know, I don't know how Julian she tried feels, to correct it immediately. It's, yeah. it's and she also, did. She offered an apology. She did everything right. she was supposed she to do. And people were like, no, everything fuck her. she was supposed like, to do. It almost Come never, on. it almost never exists in isolation though, because there's always trauma or hurt yeah. that comes along with these things. And they're, they're, they're triggers. They are. And very similarly, what was it? Uh, maybe a few months ago, right before the Super Bowl, 
and there were some analysts or some guy and he was talking about Lamar Jackson and he oh. was talking about uh, how his skin color masks the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. This is in the same vein yeah. in terms of, yeah. because what we're talking about now isn't what the person said. It's how they think. Yeah. And that's the problem. Is And I think that's what folks are trying to root out. Now, you can't just change the way – you can't fire somebody and be like, okay, now they don't think this way anymore. Mm-hmm. But it certainly needs to be called out and addressed. And I think that that's a better way to approach that is to say, hey, something's off with the wiring here. Like you're, you're, the way that you're processing this is not the best. <laughs> and I think to me that situation was super clear that the person who said it didn't even realize what they thought because when he delivered his apology, his apology was, I apologize for trying to describe the conditions of the game. That Mm. was, it was a non-apology. It was a non-apology. Which is, and and I'm sure it felt genuine to him because that was in his mind, what he was thinking. I was trying to describe the conditions of the game. But the problem is his white privilege is that I don't have to. I'm not racist as a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Therefore, we're good. I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. If it's not there racist. was ever, it would if no. it would have ever occurred to him to make a similar statement about a white player, something right. along the lines of he's able to stay in bounds more because of his, his <laughs> it's feet, snowing. his feet match those sidelines. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> how far do we? Doesn't it sound silly? Like <laughs> right, right. his feet match the same. His feet and his skin match the same. <laughs> it just sounds silly, and that is those are the type of things that yeah. we have to, we have to illuminate those and say. There's a problem with the thinking here. We know that you weren't the intention. He wasn't saying Lamar Jackson is, you know, is a terrible black person. He was literally just saying, this is what's happening. But he didn't realize, well, why am I saying, why am I describing this in this way? It wasn't even about Lamar Jackson being like a terrible black person or being uh, a good black person Mm -hmm. or being gifted because he was black or anything like that. It was literally... It was literally taking race and going, race plays, like, his skin color plays a factor in how well he can play the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of an underlining, like, he's cheating. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like, a lot of commentators do, like... He's better because he's He has an extra bone. Or, like, it's that same weird-ass racial ideology that they're cheating somehow. That's why they're Where he could have said... The way that he holds the ball, the way like he conceals right. the ball very well. It's very difficult like, to see the ball. Yeah. They're moving so quickly. The plays are designed for it to be deceptive. Yeah. All of that stuff. But to say... He has this exotic quality of the reason that's, why people can't yeah. figure out what's where right. the ball is is because it, it blends in with the skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also takes away from it's his black. skill. Right. right. Like right. you're saying... No, he's not, a good fucking football player. Not, not because he can... <laughs> high in <into> midnight <laughs> whatever he was trying to say yes. and so on both ends there it's the one where someone makes a mistake and they're un, they there's no opportunity for them to be forgiven a black person makes a mistake and there's no opportunity for, for forgiveness and then on the other hand when there's when there's greatness the credit is not given or it's it's diminished or taken away or said there has to be some other reason why this black person is successful. It can't be because of greatness. And he's been playing. He said, "Well, that's eight. not what I said." Yeah, yeah. It's like no, there's the it's the thinking, mm-hmm. and you didn't, don't even realize that that's what you're thinking. Yeah, and it comes out this way. Yeah, Warren said something about uh, a little bit about in terms of like how to address people. You know, like when you when you bring up a topic, 
you know, how do you, how to address them, how to be responsible about it and, 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 and good. But I, I'm just wondering from you guys, if it weren't a Facebook post, let's say somebody said this like in your presence or whatever, like, oh man, you hear about Kobe? Yeah, but he was no hero. You know what I mean? Do you guys feel a certain way in terms of how you would address that comment if it was said to you or in your presence or in a yeah. group? I just did this recently. And the way that I've started addressing all of these situations because they're so charged. So this dude, Marshall B. Rosenberg, wrote a book called Nonviolent Communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, it's about just how to say statements saying, I feel such and such when this happens because this, mm-hmm. right? And that that allows conversations not to be accusations as much. So I'll say something like, I feel I feel really scared when we talk about the Kobe situation this way because as a black man I I feel like I might be in a situation where somebody else gets to decide my fate mm-hmm. or or yeah. my legacy based on how they felt that day mm. and not related to actually my interaction with them because we don't know what the interaction between this person and Kobe was and so I I feel I feel personally scared when we talk about this this way and that's that's how I've I've been approaching these situations. They tend to be a lot less heated than previous ways where I've I've tried to I've tried to you know extol the virtues or or come at the situation logically and and have the the rational quote unquote conversation. That was doing everyone's. I, I'm gonna make a broad sweeping statement, but everyone takes their emotions makes up their mind on how they feel mm-hmm. and then uses logic and rationale to explain why what they feel emotionally is valid. Mm-hmm. So in doing so, you've you've basic and and then they say that uh if you can't argue it logically and rationally, then it shouldn't it shouldn't matter. When we all know that we react emotionally first. Of course. So I've been breaking down my arguments leaving off a lot of the logic and just saying hey i'm feeling this way when this happens because such and such a need of mine is not being met or is being threatened and i was hoping that you could interact with me in this way when it comes to this thing it's been effective so far i'm constantly learning and retooling that i feel like it's my my job too in in many respects and the thing that's going to keep me consistently like alive and well within not only my professions but my personal relationships and interactions that i have in society in general Mm -hmm. um is is there a reason that you use the word scared as opposed to uncomfortable discomfort to me is not necessarily a bad thing I'm uncomfortable as a stunt person. I'm uncomfortable a lot. It's my job to be uncomfortable so that actors can be comfortable. I'm uncomfortable in a roller coaster. That's why it's fun. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's uncomfortable to be in a, in a, like in a strange group doing a new thing that you've never done before, but uncomfortable and unsafe for two different things. Mm. And when I'm, I feel unsafe, I feel scared. That, Wow. Ooh. 
Yeah. Just want to unpack all of that. But <laughs> that's that needs to be some some real training. Yeah. To for some of our um, folks who interact with the public in terms of there is certainly a difference between being uncomfortable and being scared, and there's a difference between being scared and being in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the same question to you guys, Sheldon and Jason, do you guys feel just in terms of how to interact with others surrounding the way that a conversation is presented to you or in your presence? I'm, I'm typically, it, it all depends on the scenario. Uh, as you guys know, I, I don't have a problem speaking up, but uh, I do try to be as, as diplomatic and as open-minded as I can be, mm-hmm. because I also understand that someone else this other person or group of people, they are coming at this situation from a different perspective. And so is my goal to argue? Is it to try to change their mind? Is it to try to make them feel less of a person or any number of things? And for me, my goal is to gain better understanding. Why is this person thinking this, these things? Why are they, why is this their position? And if I can at least understand that, and sometimes I don't even have to understand it. At least if I can see it and maybe even empathize on an, on the other side, then I can – it helps to, for, for me to have more middle ground. So I really just try to be more diplomatic about it. I try to be open. But it is – I mean there's certain – certainly if there's something where I felt uh, – if I feel uncomfortable, I'll typically say something. If I didn't feel safe – or there, somebody was saying something where it was like I felt as though it could then be turned on me. I, I don't have a lot of tolerance or patience for those kind of, kinds of things anymore. But I think that's also just me getting older and more established in my yeah. own um, areas. W- areas where I would not have had that same confidence before. But I think about these kind of things all the time. I mean, if, you know, I work in a, in, a, in a formal office setting. Um, I have, you know, I think about my hair all the time. And, you know, I think about my hair a lot because I watched Warren think about his hair a lot when he grew, was growing his hair out. And I, while he experienced that, I really went through a lot of that with him and acted as a sounding board in that regard. And that was certainly a number of conversations that were both uncomfortable and situations where I felt either unsafe or scared. <laughs> so, but uh, it is certainly as far as work situations, like they would, you, they would fire you or think less of you or what? I mean, all kinds of things. When I'm at work, I mean, but see, I don't tolerate that kind of stuff because, okay. you know, when it comes to, to roles and positions and things like that, there's just a certain level of respect that I expect. And so when it comes to those, those sorts of things, I make sure that one, I treat everybody with respect and that those type of things that I don't put people in those situations or I try my best not to put people in those situations where I'm making them feel uncomfortable so that when, if someone says or does something that is uncomfortable, then I have the opportunity to speak up and say, Hey, this, you know, Hey, don't say that or don't do that. Or this is not cool. Or we need to look at this from a different approach. And I'm still growing and learning. And there are things that even I, I think I'm like, Oh, you know what? I need to, I need to take a second look at this one or have a, uh, have somebody else talk to me about, you know, or help me to better understand the situation. So it's all, it's all a growing and learning experience for me. Thanks for listening to Blacklight. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BlacklightPod. That's Black, L-I-T-E, Pod. If you have a topic, idea, or feedback you'd like to share with us, you can hit us up at blacklightpodcast at gmail.com.